the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together, and we have a lot to cover. First, before we get to anything, let me take a moment and say how sorry I was to hear the news that... um, Rush Limbaugh was experiencing a recurrence of his cancer. So let me give you a little bit of a trace here on Rush Limbaugh. Now, Rush Limbaugh is from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, of course. People know that, I think. He is comes from a family of unbelievably fine lawyers. His grandfather was a well-known lawyer. He's got uncles that are judges. His brother, David Limbaugh, is a very well-regarded lawyer. He's got a cousin who's another judge. Just a great family. He's got a nephew who's a prosecutor. I think maybe that prosecutor, maybe he's now chief of staff to the governor. I forget. Very, very, just a very wonderfully respected family. And Russia's mother, Millie, was a great close personal friend of um, Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked. And so there was lots of times where there was overlap. This is a conservative family. And so Rush Limbaugh has had this extraordinary career uh, of service. He's been unbelievably good at communicating conservative messages. I mean, he's just he invented effectively talk shows, uh, the, the talk show genre, really just an extraordinary talent. And as someone said, uh, I, I, I heard a speech uh, about, about Rush Limbaugh was the guest speaker, but it was at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagle Council in 1990 or 90. And Elise O'Neill, very famous uh, Eagle leader, was introducing Rush and said, Rush, you say all the same things Phyllis says, only you're funnier. Now, Phyllis Schlafly had a good sense of humor, but Rush Limbaugh is really an entertainer. It's extraordinary. So he announced in the last couple of days that his cancer is coming back stronger than ever. And that makes me really sad and sorry. And I just want to wish him well, him and his family. His wife is named Catherine. Uh, His brother, David, is who I know better. Um, I will just give you this one last image. One night in 2004, I think it was, I went to Cape Girardeau with Justice Scalia. And I had dinner with Justice Scalia, Rush Limbaugh, and about 10 other people. Extraordinary night. Funny, interesting. Rush was kind of shy. He's kind of shy in a bigger crowd. But it was an extraordinary evening. I'll never forget it. And uh, what kindness. uh, Judge Steve Limbaugh, the younger, uh, who's my friend, was our host uh, that night. It was extraordinary. So best wishes to Rush Limbaugh. We pray for him all the time. I pray for him. I hope he gets better. I hope hope for miracles. I hope for miracles. I would like more miracles uh, for the great Rush Limbaugh. So um, all right, let's move on to what you need to know, what you need to know today. A couple things. Number one is I was preparing, I was preparing to do a comparison between uh, President Trump and Joe Biden this week and compare their schedules for who's a leader. And as I started doing that, it's ridiculous, right? Joe Biden has said he's not going to do anything at all until after the debate on Thursday night. So he's basically saying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all day, four days with only 15 days left in the campaign on off the campaign to prepare. 
That doesn't make sense. But here's the thing. It's not because they're afraid to answer questions about Hunter Biden. The fact is the media is covering for them anyway. That's not why they're doing it. I mean, they may be a little bit afraid of that. What you need to know is the reason why Biden is not doing events is because they think they've won. Just like Hillary Clinton thought she won. And they're in the cruise control mode, the don't do any uh, damage mode, the don't take any risks mode. So you don't, if you're Joe Biden, you don't want to fly all the way to Colorado for an event, have 22 people show up and and stumble on your your prepared remarks. It doesn't do you any good because you've been told you're winning. And here's, so that's what they're doing. They're making a huge mistake. And the huge mistake is compounded by what you need to know next. The polls are magically, as I predicted, tightening. I told you from the beginning that the, the polls were lies and they were saying this stuff about Biden, but they were doing it because they wanted to pump up Biden, get him some money raised. But then they had to close the gap because the pollsters don't want to look like they're irrelevant. That's why a week ago you saw the New York Times, Thomas Edsel, write a piece about how Trump could still win. And you see Politico yesterday or today writing about Trump could still win. They're preparing to cover their tail because the polls have been lies. They've been lies for months now. And the Biden campaign knows it, and so did the Trump campaign. The Trump campaign knows that all the fundamentals are going the right way. Don't get me wrong. The country is divided. 40% of the country is going to hate Trump no matter what, and 40% of the country is going to hate the Democrat no matter what. It's in the middle. You're making up your ground, and it's tough. COVID is a tough deal. The pandemic's a tough deal. It's, it's been a tough hand to be dealt. But what Trump knows is when you get 5,000, 10,000 people at a rally, when you get 3 million doors knocked last week and Biden knocked zero, When you get the kind of energy in one direction, it means something. doesn't mean everything. It means something. And the something it means right now is that it's surging. And here's one last detail, what you need to know. The mistake that the pollsters made in setting up this dynamic where they're pumping up their guy, saying he's going to win, besides the fact that he's complacent, his voters are complacent. They're sending in money. I see that. But you know who's not complacent? Every Trump voter. They're, They're running through fire. And, and now what you're going to have is in the last two weeks, you're going to have momentum appear to shift to Trump because the polls were supposed to be against him down by 10 nationally. Suddenly he's down by four. So next week he'll be down by two. The week after he'll be down by nothing. And the point is you're going to feel like one man is energetic and one man wants it and one man is leading and you're going to feel like the momentum is going his way. That's what they set up with this fake polling thing. That's the dynamic they put together. All right, one more thing now. I want to tell you about this. This is important to me. I talked about this earlier uh, in the last couple of days on two different periscopes. I call this Operation Stars and Stripes. There is data out there from, I don't know, behavioral psychologists and, 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 and marketing folks that the image of the American flag is a positive image for people. They like it. And it tends to make them more conservative. They vote more Republican when they see a flag. Okay. Now, why that's true or not, I don't know, but it's intuitively sounds right. But more importantly, I love the flag. I do the Pledge of Allegiance every day. I think people should love the flag. I want more, not less, of the flag in our lives, right? I think we all want that. So that's good, right? So here's my pitch to you. Operation Stars and Stripes. If you have a yard where you can put out a yard sign, do it. I do. And then the nitwits steal it. 
I've had my uh, Trump sign stolen. I've only had one stolen, but we've had one stolen just in the last couple days. And so my point here is some people are sick of having to go get a new sign. Some people don't want to deal with their neighbors bringing up things. Here's what I want to offer to you. Get yourself a flag. Doesn't have to be a huge one. I've got one in my hands that's uh, you know eight inches by. It's probably eight and a half by eleven. It's probably just a little bit bigger. It's a little bit bigger than that. It says eight inches by twelve inches. A flag on a little post. I bought a bunch of them years ago when I put them out at the at the farmers market. And I want to pitch to you in your front yard. Put an American flag. Just put one there. And when you see them, you'll say, "Oh, I know what that is." That's people that are for America. They're for Trump. They're for the conservative side. But here's the reason why it's two good things. Two good things. What you need to know. One is uh, it'll be great for people to see that, the American flag, and they know, hey, that's my guy. That's a, Trump is the captain of Team America, all that. But the other reason is the flag does knit us together. It does bring us together. And we need more bringing together, right? When this election's over, there's going to be 25% of the country is going to th- lose their mind. And we need to be kind about it and look for opportunities to knit us together. The flag does that. The flag does that actually very well. So Operation Stars and Stripes, I'm going to talk about it every day now. I want you to get a flag, put it in your yard, symbol to everybody. They'll know what it means and it'll be really cool. Okay. All right. One more thing to tell you about. I want you to mark this down. Thursday night, I'm doing a post-debate show right after the debate ends. It'll be 10.30 East Coast time, 7.30 Pacific time, right away live. I'll have special guests on. Usually be with Andrea Kay, but Andrea Kay can't be there that night. But we'll be, we'll have guests on. We'll have commentary. We'll break it down. So mark your calendar, 7.30 p.m. on the uh, Pacific time, 10.30 East Coast time, everywhere in between. You can get on there. And please get ready. Come be a part of this awesome breakdown of the last debate. And I will tell you there even more of what you need to know. All right, so follow through on that. Um, I will have some polling that I've looked at from the White House I'm not allowed to comment on today. Let me give you one more preview. Wall Street Journal is going to knock your socks off later today. Uh, Keep an eye on the Wall Street Journal. Can't tell you why. I've been sworn to secrecy. But I can tell you this. It is going to be um, a big deal, and you're going to see it, and you're going to say, whoa, and a momentum is going to continue to move. All right, everybody, have a great um, have a great uh, um, um, celebration with those flags. I'm holding mine here. I got a text from somebody. Have a great commitment to the flag. It'll be great. And we've got great guests. In a moment, we will talk with Eddie Scary, Eddie Scary, the Washington Examiner. Guy's a great reporter, as well as Namrata Jujaral, who is uh, someone who's writing about the immigration problems. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very interesting next guest. As you know, one of the great uh, privileges of being in the Salem Radio Network is we get connected to all the Salem uh, efforts and promotions. And over on SalemNow.com, one of our promotion sites, is a link to a new a documentary, America's Forgotten. And our next guest is the documentary filmmaker and the creator of this. Her name is Namrata Singh Gujral. I think I did that well, Namrata. And we'll see if you can correct me or not. But but uh, welcome to the program. How are you? Ed, thank you so much. And your, your name is a lot easier than mine, but you said it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. My wife always says it's easy to have a plain name like Martin. Um, so it's better her, for her to, to, to be like, I don't know who that Ed Martin guy was. Um, so, Namrata, first, let me ask you, before we get to the meat and, and potatoes of this documentary, which is over at Salem, again, I'll put it up on social media, SalemNow.com, and it's called America's Forgotten. And one of the taglines on this is, due to unintended consequences, America's broken immigration system leaves a slew of victims 
victims in its rudderless wake. It's a great topic, I think a timely topic. And um, But before we get to that, how did you get to do this documentary? You're, I'm looking at your bio. You're an actress. You've got all these kinds of different backgrounds. I don't think you came at this naturally as like some uh, MAGA-motivated person. So how'd you end up doing this? And, and how did you get to this point in your career and life to do a documentary on this topic? Uh, so that's a great question. I actually, you're right, I, I I was an actor. I've been a filmmaker now, solely a filmmaker for about 10 years. I'm a two-time cancer survivor. I went through breast cancer in my 30s and then I went through blood cancer. And when I went through cancer, I was a city of hope at one point, given three weeks to live. This was seven years later, still here kicking it. But <laughs> I kind of decided that my, my goal was to sort of make very huma- humanitarian-oriented pictures. I will tell your um, audiences that I'm a registered Democrat, I, just in full uh-huh. disclosure. And um, I've made pictures on uh, cancer. I've made pictures on LGBTQ rights. I've made f- films on several what you would consider liberal topics. This one in particular, yeah. America's Forgotten. Um, I was actually in India. I was shooting a picture called Finding Match, which is the, the next one coming out. It's a picture on bone marrow and organ transplants within minority mm. communities because they have a harder time finding a match. So the picture is called Finding Match. And I was in India shooting it, and I wanted to watch the first Democratic primary debate. That was on. I found some connection in the foothills of the Himalayas and turned on the debate. And Julian Castro from Texas uh, brought up the topic of Oscar and Valeria Martinez, a father and daughter duo who died uh, while crossing the border. They drowned in the river. And it was just the, right. the image is so horrifying when you see that image, even in, in America's Forgotten. It kind of stayed with me, and I Googled it just to learn more about this little girl. I mean, she, she was face down in the water, but she looked like a little infant. Um, because mm-hmm. I had my Google location services on, it actually showed me a six-year-old who died on the border just a couple of days out from where when this incident happened. And the reason it showed me that is, that is because that story, the origination of the story was just a few hours away in the Himalayas where, where I was. So I said to my crew, I said, you know what, we're here shooting a documentary, but there's a reason the universe has brought the story to us. And my point was to go and shoot the persecution or poverty or violence, whatever it was, that would lead the parents to become so desperate that they would leave a little place in India and come all the way to America to seek asylum at our border Mm -hmm. and their child dies of dehydration in the desert. And uh, Mm -hmm. I basically started the documentary a year ago to do that. And during my investigation, it actually took me around the world, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I did an about pivot in the film because it wasn't um, what I thought it was going to be. We're, we're talking again with uh, Namrata Singh Gujral, and again, to, to make sure you know her website also, where she puts uh, her stuff up and more broadly, americasforgottenmovie.com. That's www.americasforgottenmovie.com. So, Namrata, you, you get to the point where you start this and you say, oh my gosh, these terrible, uh, these terrible victims, and it's true, right? You see a young child who dies or is hurt or is a lot of times the stories, uh, we seem to hear some of them about uh, some of the trafficking, you know, there's really terrible stuff in a law part of a an ungoverned lawless uh, industry, for lack of a better term, there's going to be bad actors. But you seem to broaden this documentary to say, hey, this whole thing of illegal immigration, it impacts jobs, it impacts community. So, how, again, how did you end up there? It's an 85-minute documentary that seems to cover a ton of ground that may not have been what you started out looking at. 
Right. So part. Uh, so I mean, look, when you're when you're a filmmaker, and we learned this when we do narratives, which is largely what I've done. This is actually only my second mm-hmm. documentary. I've done mostly narratives. So one of the things I mean, we we know this from screenwriting, right? We know our act one, our, our act two, and then our final act. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. when I was when I decided this was a documentary I was making, and and actually when I went to the little girl's house, my crew and I we drove past this neighborhood about five times because we kept thinking, well, this can't be it. This doesn't. Honestly, I'll just be honest with you. We were looking for slums. We were looking for a poverty-ridden area, or we were looking for you know something that would indicate why someone would leave. And um, right. as the story went on, I actually uh, found that there was a CNN report that was done just a couple of days out from when I was there, and there was nothing reported in terms of the absence of any of these factors. It was just you know they're seeking asylum. All oh, these poor people, which I feel terrible for this family and that little girl. This movie is a testament to her legacy. I will tell you that because this six-year-old had no idea that she was going to die on the American border. I mean, three days prior to that, she was dancing in her house. Her grandfather showed me a picture of that before they left for the U.S. Her mother was a mayor of this town, a mayor. Her uncle is a physician. So this was not a downtrodden family, but they they look for here. here's Here's basically what it boils down to. Our politicians send out these messages with free health care, let's get coronavirus stimulus, a bunch of other things. People around the world that have the money to pay the coyotes, which is sometimes to the tune of seventy five to eighty thousand dollars per person, that is nothing to sneeze at. They pay this because they're mm-hmm. thinking they're going to come here and get, get free health care for the rest of their lives. They're going to get all this this beautiful, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And that's where the problem starts. It's the wrong people coming to America for the wrong reasons. And and so when you finish this, did you finish with a? I mean, you, you like you said, you've have you have a survivor's heart, right? You survived cancer twice, and you you you're doing these you know kinds of documentaries and doing wanting to tell stories. But did you finish with a a um, a, a political, not partisan, but a political position on illegal immigration? Did you come through this and say, you can't have this viewpoint because of what I saw, therefore I'm, I think like this? A hundred percent. I actually uh, decided not to vote for Joe Biden. I In the film, I didn't go far enough to say I was actually going to vote for Trump. I will tell you, and the reason I decided not to vote for Biden is not so much Biden, it's the far left policies on not just illegal immigration, but some of the other stuff since then, because I'm making a couple more documentaries now at this point. And it's the the Mm -hmm. hijack of the Democratic Party by the far left extremism. That is what is going to be a major problem for Americans if we as moderate Democrats don't step in and speak up. Now, in the meantime, I will tell you that the first Democratic debate, I'm watching it, and President Trump talks about criminal um, uh, you know, the, the he did uh, he did the entire sort of reform on criminal reform. And I'm thinking there's no way he would have done that. And so I went and researched it. This is since the documentary <laughs> was made. And I did it. And I was right. like, what What do you know? This is crazy. And so I actually I think I, I sort of just about a week and a half ago, maybe it was. I said, you know what? I'm not going to not vote. I'm actually going to go ahead and vote for President Trump, because then I started looking at all the stuff. And I honestly am a little bit embarrassed that for four years, I thought of him as, you know, whatever my party was telling me. And I'm a smart, independent woman. I cannot believe that I hmm. was um, I was um, misled in the fashion that I was. So I'm actually hmm. going to go ahead and vote uh, for uh, Donald Trump. 
One quick question, and I'm sorry I'm running out of time, but I'll make sure to, we'll have you back on again. Uh, uh, America's Forgotten, uh, the movie uh, over at Salem now, I'll put it up. A quick question. You're, you were born and raised in India, right? So can I ask you just about the Indian-American community, insofar as there is a sort of thread that goes through that, that, that community? Uh, are they traditionally they're Democrat-leaning? Is that changing, or, is it, or am I misreading that? So I was born in India. I actually left India when I was pretty young. I lived uh, oh. my life longer outside of India than I have in India. But mm. I will tell okay. you this. I think that there is a threat. Yes, it's, this is so remarkable. This is such a great question. And if any Indian Americans are listening to me, first of all, go watch the documentary or do your homework. Because where <laughs> we come from in India, you know, if you look at everything that India stands for and what Sikhism and Hinduism and some of our religions stand for, it is not conducive to us encouraging illegal immigration. But in terms of party line, I'll tell you what, there's what the Democratic Party does fantastic is their messaging. Their PR somehow manages to tell immigrants to this country that the Republican Party is anti-immigration. And that is not so much the truth. It's more the messaging and the narrative that they do so well that people coming to this country embrace that and automatically go against the the Republican Party. Now, I'm not changing my party line after this film. I'm hoping the Democrats can sit up and take notice and make some changes to where we can come back more to the center. Because right now, where the Democratic Party is, they've lost me at this, for this election, and they're going hmm. to lose more moderate Democrats if they don't start behaving themselves. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I've got to run. Uh, and thank you for your time. Uh, Numrata Singh Gujral, the movie is called America's Forgotten. If you go to americasforgottenmovie.com, find out more. Thanks very much. We'll talk again soon. Good luck with the movie and all your other projects. Uh, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is uh, a friend of the show. He's been on the show before, and uh, we uh, it's been a while, though. And uh, Eddie Scarry, and over on Twitter, E. Scarry, S, there's two R's in that. And uh, also you can go to his website, eddiescarry.com. And uh, he has a new book, newish, a book out uh, a few months called Privileged Victims, How America's Cultural Fascists Hijacked the Country and Elevated Its Worst People. Pretty timely for this election season. But, Eddie, welcome uh, back. How are you? Doing well, and actually, you know what? We have an even more recent book, you know, that just came out last month. Grow up and vote for Trump. Why twenty twenty is your last chance to become an adult? I did. I was going to say that one next. That's the pinned to your Twitter feed. I like the button on there. It says uh, "Not my president," and the "Not" is crossed out. That's right, and that's uh, also over. I'll put them both up on social media. That's a few weeks out, Eddie. Um, before we get to that, you're a journalist. I mean, that's what you do. Exactly. You're a writer. How do you how do you uh, square what you're watching when forget about the actual content like you're saying, oh, I I really think that the Bidens look corrupt and doesn't look good. But forget that. Just say, how do you square the entire field of journalism with almost like one percent exception, just ignoring stories and, and, and carrying water so blatantly. I mean, it feels to me like the end of something. Do you, how do you square that with your profession? 
Uh, I don't think it's necessarily even it's worse than that. It's not just ignoring stories. Oftentimes it's just outright burying them or or looking at a story that's very explicit, plain. The, 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 the facts are there. They, they are interesting in and, in and of themselves. And yet they will look at some angle that has nothing to do with anything about it. You know, I, I, or they'll come up with something else, you know, like the QAnon stuff. I swear to God that that, that that whatever that is does not even really exist outside of the Daily Beast and um, journalists on Twitter. <laughs> I never hear yeah. about it. I've never seen a single person who knows anybody from QAnon who any knows anything about it. The average person has no idea what that is. And yet Savannah Guthrie, that's like the first thing she asked Trump about at the town hall um, last week, asked the president about QAnon. I mean, he kept saying, I don't even know what that is. I believe him. <laughs> I believe he doesn't know what it yeah. is because none of the rest of us know. But no, it's there's a lot going on in this field that's very sad. There's actually a, a quote that I use at the top of one of the chapters of um, Grow Up and Vote for Trump is actually one of my favorites from, from the president. Where I think he said it in the, in the lead up to the 28 election. He said, he was at, a, at one of his rallies and he said, what you're seeing and what you're hearing is not what's happening. And of course that drove the national media insane because they said, well, isn't that so Orwellian? Isn't that so big brother that, that he's telling you not to believe what you're hearing and seeing? But no, you can't. Everything that the media tells you that you see on CNN and MSNBC that you read in the New York Times and the Washington Post is not what's actually happening. <laughs> it, well, and, and uh, we're talking with Eddie Scary and the book is Grow Up and Vote for Trump available. I think it's Bombardier Books. It's over on Amazon is where I'm seeing it now, but everywhere you can buy books and on his website too. Um, but here's the thing, your, your title, Grow Up and Vote for Trump and the assertion, you know, 2020 is your last chance to become an adult. Um, how, you know, the one I think is even is sort of you can move out of the political realm and pull back and be like, what? And that is the COVID, the, pan- the management of the news and the information around the pandemic. Like one minute Fauci's like a, a, a demigod. The next minute he's lying to us, to our face. One minute the World Health Organization is totally full of it. The next minute they're and, and they almost whipsaw us with this. You know, one minute the United States shuts down its economy completely. And the next minute we didn't do enough. Like what more could we have done? But my point here is it, it, a lot of people have somehow been brainwashed to think somebody could have done better with this mess. And, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's enough people that are willing to grow up and vote uh, for Trump to be an adult. Right, and I think uh, there's, there's an entire chapter in the book, I think it's the first chapter in the book, that is about COVID and about the media coverage of, of the pandemic, which has been absolutely insane. Hysterical, I think, is the word that I use over and over again. Um, but th- that is a big thing that inspired me wanting to write this book, was all the, the criticism from you know CNN and MSNBC towards Trump and every other liberal in the media was, he's not saying the right thing. He's not, there was one question he got um, at, a, at a press briefing, and the earlier days of the pandemic when um, one of the reporters said, what do you have to say for people who are scared right now? Well, I'm sorry, but we, we don't need a daddy. I know that everyone thinks that, they, <laughs> that the president is supposed to be your daddy. That's the way Democrats look at the president. That's why, that's why um, Democrats almost, almost only turn out ever for um, and in such high numbers for the president because they forget that there's actual other parts of the government that function and they have their own jobs, separate jobs and separate functions. No, they want, it to be, they want the president to be their daddy. And that's why I'm saying, that's why the, the subtitle is why 2020 is your last chance to become an adult. Because you know what? You might not 
Um, you might not like the way Trump tweets. You might not like the way he talks. You might not want to have him as a guest over for Thanksgiving because you just don't like him. But this is about things bigger than that. It's, this is about growing up. It's about uh, looking out for your family, looking out for your safety, doing what's right for your, your 401k, all of those things. Yes, you may not like him, but the stakes are a little bit too high right now. Um, you're either going to go with Joe Biden, which is the lockdowns. That's your daddy who takes care of you, who, who hopefully with, with Democrats in Congress sends you a check every, every couple weeks to, to keep you holed up inside. You also um, uh, succumb to the Black Lives Matter mob, which is basically, if not all of the Democratic Party, it's most of the most of the Democratic Party. Privilege, you're going to be privilege checking, checking your privilege every single day. Or you can grow up and finally say, you know, I may not like Trump, I may not want him over for Thanksgiving, but my safety and my my pocketbook is a little bit too important, so I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> throw in with this guy again. The, uh, we're talking with Eddie Scary, and again, I want to point to a story real quick over uh, that you wrote, uh, I think yesterday, at the Washington Examiner, WashingtonExaminer.com, the Hunter Biden story. And you, your premise on this is it's embarrassing for Biden, at the very least, if not worse. Here's my question for you, Eddie. There's a lot of that kind of influence peddling around Washington, right? The swamp. Enough that it's not, it, it's terrible because it's China. It's terrible because it's Ukraine. It's terrible because he's running for president. But it's not that uncommon. Is that part of why the stories, the media is keeping it shut down? Well, you're right that it's not necessarily uncommon. The problem with it is that it is did Biden act in a corrupt way? And and more importantly, and more I think clearly, and what kind of crystallizes the story is did he lie? Did he lie when he said right. he had nothing to do with his son's business dealings overseas? Um, we have this email now. They have not disputed the the content of the email. The the neither the Biden, his son, nor Joe Biden, Joe Biden nor his son have said that that email is not real. That it didn't happen that it's fake, and they have not disputed the, the, that the, the legitimacy of the email. And it, it indicates that Joe Biden did did meet this guy that was a business partner of, of his son's, and for, for him to have said, I never had anything to do with it, well, you, it, looks like you, it looks like you met him. You're denying that you had that it was ever on your official schedule, but it looks like you met him, and if you lied, that's what's more important. So, yes, yeah, so what you're saying is, yes, yeah, so the corruption stuff and, you know, kids becoming suddenly becoming millionaires because their parents were, were elected to office, were elected to Congress, or elected to the presidency, whatever. That's not so uncommon. But if Joe Biden lied while he's presenting, I'm I'm the new, you know, I'm the return to pure and <laughs> pure and sanctified. Yeah, yeah. Vote for me. But if he's lying, that's that's what makes this so important. Oh, and and I and I I'm actually not excusing it. What I'm saying is explaining why the media is hiding from it. No, I think it's actually worse than anything, especially because. Um, uh, well, I'll say it this way, and I, I just have less than a minute. So, uh, Eddie, the one phrase I think is most powerful right now in politics is "drain the swamp," and the story just makes clear that Biden's a swamp monster. You know, and and Trump, no matter what, he's never of the swamp. He, the swamp is fighting him all the time, and uh, and 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 the uh, and the Biden revelations show he's knee deep in it, but. Uh, uh, Eddie, unfortunately, I got to go. I'm sorry. I ran out of time on you. We'll have you back on. Let's talk again before the election. The book is Grow Up and Vote for Trump. Why 2020 is your last chance to become an adult. It's uh, out on, in paperback September 15th. Eddie Scarry's over at the Washington Examiner. Thanks very much, Eddie. Uh, thanks so much. All right. We'll take another quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-American Report. Don't forget, you can get all these uh, interviews. You can listen to them again over at ProAmericaReport.com. We'll be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. On June 1st, 2016, then-President Barack Obama infamously said that some jobs are just not going to come back to America. Obama bluntly proclaimed that those jobs were going to stay overseas forever and that the best thing manufacturing employees could do was just get over it. Thankfully, Donald Trump didn't agree with Obama's defeatism. Instead, Trump chose to believe in the power of American industry to surge above and beyond the heights it enjoyed in years past. Trump promised to bring jobs back to America again. Obama scoffed that there is no answer for getting jobs back and that Trump would need a magic wand to do it. As it turns out, the magic wand is as simple as creating a climate in which manufacturers can prosper. President Trump lowered the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%, which took America from far above to far below the international average. As a result, the jobs started pouring back in. Big companies like Apple and Boeing, General Motors, Dow Chemical, and Whirlpool added tens of thousands of jobs in states like Michigan, Louisiana, Missouri, South Carolina, New York, and Tennessee. Now, cutting taxes may seem like a magic wand to certain low IQ pundits on the left, but business owners know it's just common sense. If you have less taxes, you have more profits. If you have more profits, you have more ability and more desire to expand your operations. This means more jobs and more prosperity for all. The career politicians like President Obama want to fool Americans into accepting that manufacturing jobs can never come back to America. But President Trump is a businessman, and he knows better. He knew how to draw in manufacturers, and he followed through. It didn't take a magic wand to bring back American jobs, just a president with strong conservative principles and the boldness to follow through with them. As voters consider their choices next month, they would do well to find candidates who don't think America needs a magic wand to prosper. The United States of America is the greatest nation in the world. It's time we act like it. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be uh, back. Those are some great interviews. I want you to go track them down. Eddie Scarry especially is uh, E. Scarry on uh, Twitter. At E. Scarry on Twitter. Really worth checking him out. Uh, very important guy. Good journalist. Okay. Hey, let me, uh, I want to finish with a breakdown of this. This is this is hugely important. I'm doing it as a standalone uh, segment so I can put it up over at the uh, on ProAmericaReport.com and link to it. And the title of this is Deep State Returns to Power or Not. Okay? Deep State Returns to Power or Not. Okay? So a story, there's a story out in the last 24 hours, uh, and, and the story goes like this. The, the Deep State, um, which is all the people like uh, Brennan and Clapper and 60 other signatories, signed on to a letter. 
And the letter says, we, this is, this is paraphrasing, but this is pretty, this is actually close. I'm not just, I'm not spinning this too badly. It says, we know nothing specifically or factually to back up what we're about to say. But we are very important in our own minds, and we think we should be covered uh, by the mainstream media when we say this. And we know that the mainstream media is so lame that they will, in fact, cover us. So we're going to say this with a straight face. And here it goes. We believe that all of the factors around the Hunter Biden emails and his computers We don't know any facts, but we believe that what we see has all the hallmarks of what could be, might be, sort of could be Russian disinformation. And they sign that letter. And what happened? The New York Times covers it front page. Politico covers it front page. All the cable networks covered. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Think about how insane this is. The deep state, which tried a coup on President Trump and Mike Flynn and all these other people, are, are seriously saying we have no facts, but we think it might be the Russians, just like that Russia hoax that we did for the last three and a half years. And here's my point to you. It's not how pathetic they are. They are pathetic. But they've been getting it away. They've been getting away with it for so long that it's hard to blame them for thinking that they could keep getting away with it. Honestly, they've been getting away with that shtick for so long. Adam Schiff, for example, congressman, has been lying in public for years. He never gets held accountable. John Brennan, James Clapper. Actually, one of, is it Brennan that lied to Congress or Clapper? One of the two of them lied to Congress. The other one appears to have just been misleading. They're on TV all the time saying stupid stuff and saying it with a straight face. They never get held accountable. So you can't blame them for thinking they won't be held accountable. But here's what you should be aware of. Here's what you should be aware of. You know, if these people that sign that letter get back into power and they have been so brazen in their attempted coup, there's nothing to think that they will stop. In fact, I think the opposite is more likely that they will say to themselves, you know what, we we have to now make sure that we clear, you know, that we are the deep state has to has to, um, uh, you know, take things back. Revenge of the deep state. You know, we have to, we can't let this be the way things go. We'll have to get in, in there and we will take our, our, uh, take these people apart that opposed us. Because it doesn't really make sense any other way to think, how can these people lie? How can they lie? And, and when they sign, uh, when they sign the, this letter, the, literally the letter says in there that there's, that we don't have any factual reason to believe it's the Russians, but we, we just think it looks like it could be the Russians. Can you imagine? I mean, it's it's um, it's almost as if they think that we are um, well, they do think we're stupid. They think that we're stupid. They think that we're uh, people that don't know any better. And more importantly, they think they're getting away with it. So back to my point, it's not a hard reach to say the deep state is going to return to power if Biden wins. They're going to sweep back into power if Biden wins. That's what's at stake. That, that's exactly what's at stake. When you think about what could happen, the deep state strikes back. That's what it'll be like. Except I have a feeling it'll be more like Godfather 2. I, I, I don't think it's going to be particularly a pleasant uh, a fairy tale or a fantasy. I think we're talking about really nasty, really bad people that are willing to stop at anything. That's what I think is going to happen. 
So I, if that, that, that's one of the things that's at stake. I just want to point it out to you. You should be aware of it. And uh, check it out. Okay, let me wrap things up. A uh, couple of housekeeping things. ProAmericaReport.com. And any interview we do, any segment we do, you can get it there. Please go check it out. There's a segment from Friday. Uh, no, excuse me, from, um, well, I don't know, a couple days ago. Uh, I'm not sure which day. On getting involved in the elections. It got a huge review. Uh, it was passed all around. People believe in it. You need to be a poll worker. You can do it. You, even if you do a half a day or two hours or four hours or six hours, whatever you can do, we need you to do it because we need more eyes inside okay so go to proamericareport.com in the last week or so there'll be a piece or look go to Catherine engelbrecht the interview with her and uh and go to truethevote.org and you can find out more information there uh also don't forget operation stars and stripes we want you to get involved that way get your flag out in your yard and finally Please mark your calendars. We are going to be together on Thursday evening, Thursday evening at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, 10.30 p.m. East Coast time for the debate breakdown. As soon as the debate ends, we'll go live and we'll be talking about the debate. You can be a part of it. We'll take your phone calls, emails, other things all during that time. Okay, so thank you as always. I think our great uh, director, our great technical director, Noah, is going on vacation a few days, which means the, the world will fall apart. We'll probably start messing up. So thank you to him for this, Joanna for booking our guests, and you for listening, and we will be back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, check ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. And we'll be back soon. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report.